Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. So we're deeply appreciative of being given this huge, huge honor to be able to share from God's Word today. And I want to take us to Psalm 48. And I've called this little talk, Tell the Next Generation. Because it's a great thing, isn't it, to honor ministry, pastoral ministry that has been working for the Lord in this church for 40 years. But what I'm interested in is what is next. And the passing on of all that resource and that blessing is so essential. And I've been involved in a number of church transition meetings and gatherings. And there are some sad stories where transitions don't go so well. And so I just want to, hopefully from God's Word, point us forward, honoring the past, but believing that God is going to do some great things as we move forward. And obviously, as Ian picks up things and new leaders emerge, I'm sure we would all say that we want the next move to be greater than the past, to move beyond anything that we have yet seen so far. And that would be our heart and that would be our prayer. And so I've chosen to talk on a psalm, and it's quite an unusual psalm, so I'll read it. And hopefully you'll see where I'm going as I go through this particular psalm. Psalm 48. It reads like this, "'Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise.'" In the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth, like the heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. When the kings joined forces, when they advanced together, they saw her and were astounded. They fled in terror. Trembling seized them there, pain like that of a woman in labor. You destroyed them like ships of Tarshish, shattered by an east wind. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God, God makes her secure forever. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Mount Zion rejoices. The villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments. Walk about Zion. Go around her. Count her towers. Consider well her ramparts. View her citadels that you may tell of them to the next generation. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Here's a picture of Jerusalem, the the golden city, the city of God. And of course, Jerusalem, a wonderful city with so much symbolic appreciation for all of us as we think about the church of Jesus Christ. So firstly, I want to say how honoured Irene and I are to be in this very special and I believe important day. And I want to take a verse from this particular psalm and it's verse 12. Walk about Zion, go around her, count her ramparts, view her citadels that you may tell of them to the next generation. 
I don't think I've ever taken a verse quite as strange as this, but here's a picture of the psalmist taking a trip around Jerusalem, counting the towers, looking at its strength, looking at all its history. And the message version says this, then you can tell the next generation detail by detail the story of God. And so I believe that we have an opportunity to think about the story and the history of the church of Jesus, and particularly this church. And I want to say it's very, very important to keep telling the stories. It's important that we hear about the history of this particular church and that we carry that story into the future. And so what I'd like to do is to take this psalm and just look at three aspects that I hope will be helpful The first thing I want us to think about is the picture of the city. The picture of the city. You see, Psalm 48 outlines the beauty of Jerusalem. And these, I believe, are images of the church. We talk about marching to Zion. We talk about Jerusalem. We talk about the city of God. We talk about the temple or the house of the Lord. We talk about the holy mountain. These are pictures of the church and the beauty of the church. And I believe that it's good for us to take a little bit of a walk around the church and to see a picture of the church together. And it's very wonderful to be able to look back in the history of this fellowship and to begin to count things and see things as this picture emerges. You know, in the early days, and I guess that the first verse of this psalm was sung in some of the first meetings in this church. Verse 1, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, the city of our God, the holy place. We bow down on our knees. Anybody remember that song? We used to sing songs about Zion and we would sing about the city of the Lord and we'd be talking about the prospects and the possibilities for a a church to thrive and to be blessed. And sometimes we would sing those things just with a handful of people in a front room. Our stories are very parallel. We began church by accident when a handful of teenagers began to gather around our home on a Friday evening. And we had a very simple format. We sang a few songs in those days. Any song, any Christian song, you just needed three chords on a guitar, you could sing anything. And then we would study the Bible. And so I remember we started in our front room, we started with the book of Acts. And it wasn't long before we came across a passage about Pentecost and some wise 15-year-old said, if it happened like that then, why doesn't it happen like that now? Why can't we be speaking in tongues? Why can't we see the power of the Spirit? Will you pray for us? And I remember sort of doing the leadership thing like, well, we can prepare for this. We can perhaps study and we'll come back to this topic a little bit later. And they knew that I was procrastinating. I learned that word from Jack. And they said, why don't you pray for us now? And I remember I just simply, and in those days, because I was brought up a Methodist, I kept my eyes closed, hands together, and I said, Lord, will you please fill, and as I said the word fill, and remember my eyes were closed, I heard this commotion, 
I said, Lord, will you fill these people with your Holy Spirit? And as as I said the word fill, people fell on the floor. People started to speak in tongues, languages they'd never learned. And I suddenly realized this is wonderful. And I got a bit of a vision of what Zion could look like. The church of Jesus could look like this Jerusalem that I want us to remember. And, uh, And so great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain. You know, before COVID, Jack Trish, Kent and Mary Alice, and Irene and myself found ourselves stood on Mount Carmel. You know, not a lot of people can say that, but we stood together on Mount Carmel and we looked out over the Mediterranean and I remembered the scene. In fact, it was, I think, my first or second talk in NC4. It wasn't called that in those days. But one of my first talks was a cloud the size of a man's hand is rising in the sea. And I remember Mary Alice did this crocheted verse for us. It's still in my office today because at the heart of something that we saw those many years ago, there was something like a crackle in the atmosphere where we're saying, Lord, if you've done it in the past, will you do it again? Will you pour out your Holy Spirit in ways that are going to transform our lives and our society? And that still burns within us. And I hope it burns within this church that we want to see a renewal, a revival of Christianity where God is made famous in our land again. And I believe in this psalm, the psalmist leads us around Jerusalem. He shows the good foundations, a city built to last. It's like a tour around the city, a city of strength that's protected from enemies. Words that actually I don't use too much, bulwarks, that's a word, ramparts, citadels. That reminds me of the Salvation Army, actually, they have citadels and this imagery of strength. And today it's good to honour the history of this church, to tell God's story. You know, growing from small numbers, and that was illustrated for us today, as people were healed and saved and lives were changed, the church's journey through the years, this building, and I remember Jack and Trish bringing us in here when it was a supermarket and, and bowling, wasn't it? And, and, uh, and now this is a sanctuary, a place of safety that we've heard of. And I want to take us around the towers and around the ramparts and see the strength of what God has done and, and look at the people around us because actually all this imagery isn't just stones and, and stuff. It's living stones. It's people. And we thank God for what he's done. And I want to give us a little bit of a picture of the church. You see, the psalmist takes us round the city And it's good to honour history, to tell God's stories and to honour his name. You know, these stories, I believe, need to be passed on to the next generation. When Nehemiah took the people back to Jerusalem after years of exile, a group went around the city and examined the walls and the gates and they said, it's not good news. The walls have been broken down. The gates have been burned by fire. They looked at the damage that had been caused through the years, but their eyes were also filled with vision and possibility that the walls could be rebuilt and the gates could again be used. 
They saw something of the future of God's purposes and his plans. And I believe that it's important that we keep this picture of a church that is yet to come. We thank God for history, but I wonder if we were to take a glimpse into the next five years, ten years, what can we see? What can we believe for? You see, this psalm speaks of, of, of beauty and purpose. Verse 2 talks about its situation and beauty. Verse 3 talks about its strength. God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. Verse 8 talks about security. It says, as we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God, God makes her secure forever. And so today we can walk around the story of what God has done and we can see some security. We can see some good foundations. We can see strength And I believe it's fitting that we praise God together and then we have a picnic to say thank you to God for everything that has happened in the past. But our hearts are pointed forward to all the possibilities for the future. And the second thing I want to talk about is not just the the picture of the city, which is very beautiful and we just get a feel of what that is, is like, But the second thing I want us to think about is the God of the city, the God of the city. It's really appropriate that we honor people, but we really are here fundamentally to recognize that it's the Lord's doing. Everything that happens, every blessing, every good thing that has taken place through 40 years, we honor God. We thank him for his presence and for his grace. Nehemiah was able to say the good hand of the Lord was upon me. Isn't it a great thing when you feel weak in yourself and you feel insignificant and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes and you feel the hand of God on your shoulder and you feel that he approves of you. Isn't it a great thing to be able to honor the God of the city, the, the, the God who makes it all happen? Please, if you have a minute or two in the future, because my time's limited, go to Psalm 48 and look at all the things that that are talked of with regard to the God of the city. Verse 1 talks of the city of God. Verse 2, city of the great king. Verse 8, city of the Lord Almighty. Verse 9 talks about God's unfailing love. Verse 10 says, His right hand filled with righteousness, the hand of the Lord upon us. Verse 14 says, Our God forever and ever. And so we honor the God of the church. We honor the God of the city. We honor the God of this story we are thinking of today. And so today we celebrate God's great love and faithfulness his security, and his strength. You could call it his unfailing love. He's never let us down. He's never let us go. You know, there are mornings, usually Monday, when I wake up, whether it asking, you know, was it really worth it? But the more I've gone on with God, the more I've appreciated the fact that every day God is with us. He's right at the beginning because he's the alpha. He's right at the end. He's the omega. And as Irene always says, he is the God of the wobbly bit in the middle. He has everything in his hands. And we honor the God of the city. You know, his unfailing love, it talks here about that amazing love 
that brings us security. Verse 9, within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. He's never failed. He's never let us down. And today we celebrate that. One translation says, we have thought of your loving kindness. This really is his covenant love. We've celebrated community. We've broken bread. We've shared wine. His covenant love. You know, in his sermon, A Worthy Theme for Thought, Charles Spurgeon gave illustrations of people in the church and how they should think and speak more of the loving kindness of the Lord. And I want to read you one little extract. I wish I could speak like Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And some of the words are kind of interesting. But let me read one of his accounts with regard to how a person should react and respond within fellowship and within the church. <laughs> Says this, Yes, my friend, I know that many professing Christian people are not all they profess to be. I have heard you say so ever so many times. You say also there is no love in the church. Well, so far as we can see, you are not overstoked with it. You say, you say there is no zeal among the members, but have you any to give away to those who need it? Now henceforward, instead of always harping on the faults and failings of God's people, which certainly are numerous enough, but have not become any fewer since you talked so much about them, would it not be better to talk and think of the loving kindness of the Lord? You know, wouldn't it be better than saying the service was too long or the music was too loud or what was that little chap from the UK talking about? <laughs> wouldn't it be better to say, thank you, Jesus, for your loving kindness and so let's take a moment to bless him, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so we've just had a look at the picture of the church. We've looked at the God of the city, the picture of the city, the God of the city. And I want to conclude with the builders of the city. The builders of the city. Now, we know that though Jerusalem was the city of God, there were builders. Some people forget, you know, that uh, there's a lot of hard work goes behind the scenes in any church life. And I think it is important that we recognize today the builders, and that's what we've been doing together. You know, in the days of Nehemiah, the people were mobilized to rebuild the walls and gates to make Jerusalem secure again. God used all the people, but leadership was very essential. Nehemiah, Ezra, Joshua, Zerubbabel, too much rubble, Zerubbabel. These were real people. Also, it says, and the prophets of God were with them helping them. Now, there's a novelty. The prophets were not correcting them. The prophets were there supporting them. 
when there are apostolic and prophetic foundations in a church, it's going to be strong. And actually, that hallelujah was worth it because that's perhaps one of the most important things I'm going to say today. I think we've got to retrace some of the things that we learned 40 years ago without getting nostalgic. And Irene knows because I say it in a lot of messages at the moment. You know, I'm getting a little bit nostalgic when I should be more prophetic. But it's important that we understand good, 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 good foundations. It's usually a Beatles song, but I thought I'd be a little bit more American among you. So, these were real people. Irene's looking down, so I'd better continue. (laughs) Nehemiah, Ezra, Joshua, Zerubbabel, the prophets of God were with them, helping them. And of course, we know in the New Testament, Jesus is building his church, but foundations need laying. Apostles and prophets and elders and overseers, and they bring a continuity and security It is God who chooses and sets people in ministry. You know this, but Ephesians 4.11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. 1 Timothy 3 verse 1 says this, Here is a trustworthy saying, Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Forty years ago, people were lining up to serve God. Today, it's different. I'm calling the generation ahead to be passionate about their faith, to begin to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so today, particularly, we honor Jack and Trish, our wonderful friends, for their foundational work in the history and story of this church They have, with many others, tirelessly, with God's help, served this church for over 40 years. And we bless God for that. They have stood together through seasons of blessing and of challenge. And as I conclude this, when I think particularly of Jack, I think it has to be, of course, of three things. Firstly, a prophetic teacher. You know, he's got a unique gift. This gift has created beauty and strength and stability through the years in this church. I want to thank God for sermons that I have preached that he doesn't know I took his notes. (laughs) I missed out most of the hard words, but... You know, I've learned this from this prophetic teacher. You only need the gist And you kind of get something in the spirit. I've learned so many things by being alongside. I still think our friendship, I find it exciting. Cup of coffee, sat up a set one another, ask a question and we're off. And it's just very wonderful. So that's the first thing, prophetic teacher. Number two, kingdom pioneer. You see, when Jack and Trish began ministry, there were very, very few models I think it was Trish that said we didn't know what we were doing. We had no clue. Thank the Lord for friendship and connections that we eventually made, but there were no role models at that time. Few people around. And yet there was something in us yearning for charismatic ministry, word and spirit to be strong. 
You know, and we share heart beyond the local church. We think of Grace Network and Now One Focus, connections across the world, kingdom pioneers, and I honor you for that, Jack. But thirdly, and I mentioned this last night, trusted friends. You know, I told the story last night at the dinner of celebration that many years ago, actually, we found ourselves on the border of Canada in the remote, very remote area, and we visited a man called Steve Wilbur, and he said, I have a prophetic word for you. And as I said last night, we sat like two naughty boys before this patriarchal figure who said he'd got a prophetic word for us, and he crossed his hands and prayed over our heads. And he said, I see geographical exchange for the remainder of your days. And that's what's happened. And we need more exchanges. And instead of competition, unity, Friendship, togetherness, networks, you know, people in humility, where we're not the know-it-alls. And so I honor the friendship, trusted friends. We've shared holidays, some of them strange. (laughs) And I'm kind of nervous about the week ahead particularly if Jack was the one that booked it. <laughs> we've, we've shared platforms. We've crossed nations, conferences. And so with Irene, I want to say thank you, Jack and Trish, for your friendship. But here's where I conclude. Hopefully a new generation won't have to face the battles that some of us faced. The foundations the layers of God's work, the pioneering that has happened over 40 years, if there are wise people looking in that are beginning their journey, I want to say, take a walk round the story. Can I encourage younger people here, not just young, but young in the faith, can I encourage younger people, ask to hear God's stories of the stories of this house. The future, I believe, is bright, And of course, we've read the end of the book. Revelation points to a new Jerusalem, a church without wrinkle and blemish. So my verse is this. Tell the next generation, detail by detail, the story of God. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to the NC4 podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.